But so my premium every month is $263. I spend $12 a month on dental and Welcome to The Fi Show, where you get a behind-the-scenes look into financial independence. Here's your host, Cody and Justin. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Fi Show. But before we get into today's topic, let me check in with my co-host, Justin. What's going on, man? Hey, man. I mean, uh, this weekend was actually probably one of the most like normal weekends for me, like as a like pre-COVID-ish feeling. There was a concert that obviously had a very different outlay. They had hundreds of these little kind of six by six squares segmented off on a minor league baseball field is what it was and with a stage set up. But it gave you the feel of like everyone's just going to a concert. Now there were some, you know, there were extra distance between you and everyone, which is not typical, but it's awesome to get back into some of those things like live music. And then um, Sunday we actually went to Six Flags and again, you know, whether it's the rides every couple of times they run, having to stop, spray them down with stuff, wear masks the whole time you're there, you know, waiting lines at a distance. But and even certain rides that don't involve where it's like only you and your party get on one row, like if it's a bigger thing than them having to put empty seats between you. Like, obviously, there are things we're having to do, but it just kind of felt nice to get a little bit back more into the swing of things. But how about you? Yeah, I definitely feel you. It's definitely nice to start to get back in a little bit of normalcy, even though I know COVID cases have been like spiking everywhere. I just got an alert on my phone yesterday, actually, that said like COVID cases spiking in your area. I was like, geez, this is this is a little crazy. But um, we did we had a fun social distance weekend. Lauren and I went up to Conway, New Hampshire, which is like leaf peeping central. And we stayed in this awesome Airbnb. It was right next to the I think it's pronounced Kankamagas Highway, but everyone says Kankamagas. <laughs> it's it's not the right way to say it. But um, so we, we were right by there, literally five minutes down the road. We went on a couple of hikes. We went to like Diana's Baths and Cathedral Ledge. And then we ended up hiking. What's the name of it? Franconia Ridge, Ridge. on Sunday. And <laughs> this was by far the hardest hike I've ever done in my entire life. Like, <laughs> It was there was two feet of snow at the top of the mountain, and we we did not expect that at all. We thought there'd be a little bit of snow, and walking down like you're just trying not to fall because it's just like sheets of ice over rocks. So it was we got through it. it took us seven hours, but <laughs> that was one heck of a hike. I've never done anything like that before. And if you're not from the northeast and don't know what leaf peeping is, that is where you drive down the highway and look at the foliage as the leaves change colors. Which are awesome. Like, uh, I would say if you ever get a chance, go up through New Hampshire and then come like back down through Vermont, like see both sides because uh, they're a little different. But yeah, that's what leaf peeping is for those who are not from the Northeast. <laughs> well, thank you for the fill in. And before we get talking about healthcare, because I know the past two episodes we had Jackie and Lynn on, and then we had Scott on last week, and we're going to get into some of the listener questions and then also what we do for our own specific healthcare situations. But real quick, let's take a moment for our partner. Keeping track of your net worth is one of the most important things you can do on your journey to financial independence. If you don't have an idea of what your net worth is, there's no way that you can keep your quote unquote score. One of our favorite tools to keep this score is called Personal Capital. If you haven't already started using it, it's an online software that basically compiles all of your data, it crunches all your assets, all your liabilities, and spits out a net worth number and allows you to track it day by day, month by month. 
Yeah, Cody, one of the big things that hold people back when they're doing activities like tracking their expenses or tracking their net worth is just they look at it as a big burden. And this allows you to go in with one username and one password and access as many financial accounts as you have. These can be loans, these can be 401ks, these can be HSAs, bank accounts, credit cards. They're all linked there. The other thing I really like about personal capital is it's very investing focused. So you can go in there and look at your allocation across your entire portfolio. So you don't just look at your allocation in one type of account, but your allocation as a person completely. And if you want to use the same tool that me and Cody use to track our net worth, which is completely free, you can do so at thefyshow.com slash PC. That's thefyshow.com slash PC. Okay, so we pulled in some listener questions. We sourced them from the interwebs, from Facebook, from Twitter, from anywhere where anywhere anybody wanted to contact us. You can send in a voicemail if you want, although no one did send in a voicemail. Just hit us up at thefiveshow.com slash voicemail. But question number one was, some people are suspicious about doing the health assessment from 23andMe because your info could possibly be sold to insurance companies who may not insure you if you're at high risk for something. How likely is this to happen? So basically, is this like, if I have a pre-existing condition that maybe I don't know about, I go and get a 23andMe or equivalent, are healthcare companies going to not serve me? And this is from Scott. So Scott was generous enough to lend his expertise. If you guys listened to last week's episode, Scott really knows what he's talking about. He gets into the weeds with the policies and all the politics behind healthcare, how you can advocate healthcare the best. And he says, I can't speak to 23andMe's practices and policies. I can tell you that under ACA law, no ACA compliant health plan sold through the exchanges or authorized resellers can underwrite health insurance based on pre-existing conditions. So even if your information was sold to a health insurance company, it could not be used to influence them offering you coverage or influence your rates. Now, I actually didn't know that. And that was really interesting to me. Like I was kind of worried about that too. I have gotten 23andMe. Thank God I don't have any crazy pre-existing conditions I didn't know about, but that's kind of nice given with the current state of the legislature that they can't you know, knock out stuff because of your pre-existing conditions from taking something like 23andMe. I think that's really good information that Scott's given us, and it's it's uh, reassuring to know that. My personal take on things like 23andMe are I've personally known too many horror stories, not necessarily with me- with medical care or healthcare costs, but of people finding out they had a sister they didn't know about. Or, <laughs> um, I mean, even stories where people were charged with crimes because a sibling of theirs did a 23andMe, and it was enough for you know, that person get convicted because they realize that's who it was. Not to say that like, hey, you know, this will help you get away with a crime if you don't do this. But like, it's kind of the what is the best case scenario that can come out of this? And then what's the worst case scenario? And then you have to kind of weigh your options there. So there are more things other than healthcare to consider. So I just that's my only thing is I I don't really need to (laughs) to, I don't really need to find out that we got extra people in the family tree, um, whether that's, you know, my parents or whatever, you know, I just like, I don't know that I want to find that out this late in life. Um, so, <laughs> I respect that. Definitely so, respect that. <laughs> so I'm just going in the, I'm, I'm just, I'm safely in the camp of we'll never do 23 me. <laughs> Fair enough. The next one that we had uh, that we reached out to Scott on was there was a story of a woman who needed a mammogram and called to ask how much would it cost? She was told it was free under her health insurance. However, the x-ray was read by a radiologist outside of her plan, which she had no control over. And because of that, she was forced to pay this huge bill. How can they fix that? So Scott says the first step is to go back to whoever it was that actually told you the procedure was free and ask how they can rectify the situation. On a preventative basis, 
He says to make sure the health insurance plans you select have your providers and hospitals in their network. Upon receiving a course of treatment from your provider, find out who and where all procedures will be performed. Make sure they are covered under your plan. If they are not, you can then ask for ones that are, which may change the facility or doctor you are working with. If you deem it necessary to use the out-of-network doctor or service, or you find out after the fact or are stuck in a situation like the woman asking question, you should negotiate the bill with them. One way of approaching a negotiation is to find out what your insurance company pays for that procedure with one of their negotiated doctors. Um, we have a link we can uh, put out there from the uncoveredhc.com website that provides a number of transparency sites to help you finding the price. There's also a website called fairhealth.com that uh, he says is very detailed and helpful. Most major health insurance companies report their average negotiated discounts to be 40 to 50% off the physician or hospital published charges. So that's huge. Uh, then research the doctor who performed the service to see if they are in any other health insurance companies' networks. If they are, you will have a pretty good idea what they accept as a discounted charge for that service. You will need the what he calls a CPT-10 code for the exact service that was performed to accurately price the service. There's a website, again, we can link to called www.icd10data.com. They can help with these codes and check with your health insurance company to see if they will cover their negotiated fees for that service. In direct negotiations with the hospital or provider, explain to them how you were misinformed and how you intended on complying with your health insurance plan. Offer them the average discounted fee. Depending on your income status and whether you have the high deductible plan, you can speak with financial assistance from the hospital. All nonprofit hospitals are required to offer financial assistance, by the way. Additionally, ask if the provider or hospital will accept payment plans. And if you have the means to be able to actually pay in cash, you can ask for another discount for that, and you may receive an additional 10 to 20% off the bill. And I know Scott gave us a lot there, and obviously he's being as thorough as possible, which is super helpful because a lot of these things people just take at face value like, oh, this sucks. I have this surgery. I have this thing, whatever X, Y, or Z happened. I just have to foot the bill. But it seems like everything is up for negotiation, honestly. Like he's he's named out a couple scenarios here where you can negotiate with the doctor themselves, the person that said, hey, you can go do this thing and it'll be covered. You can negotiate with the hospital. You can negotiate with your health insurance company. Like there's negotiations to be made at every single table of this process, which is kind of cool to think about. And something that as Scott highlighted in the past episode, something that most people don't consider. It's not like people are haggling typically when they're you know getting surgery or when they're getting their knee replacement. They're just like, all right, whatever it costs, it costs. Yeah, because I think that happens a lot, you know, with when you have medical care, you're trying not to go into it saying like, how can I save a buck? You just want to be well, but it's understanding that they've kind of built that in. It's almost like when you go to buy a car or anything else, you have to understand that the other person who has priced it to you has priced it with margins that they can accept decreasing on. Like they have built in buffer. And if you or your insurance company are willing to just pay it, then awesome. If not, they've built in that buffer and they can come down and still be profitable and they'll do that. Um, for instance, one time uh, me and my mom were out in Colorado. Uh, we were actually, I was rock crawling in one of my vehicles and she decides she wants to get out because she's getting a little nervous about going over, crawling over one of these rocks in a vehicle, obviously. And um, so she's walking on foot. She slips, falls, needs uh, stitches on her nose. She cuts it up pretty bad. Um, we end up going to one of those urgent cares, you know, open all 24 seven. It's not uh, like an insurance situation. 
she goes and she's going to get it sewn up and they tell her what it's going to cost. And she's just kind of like, man, that's kind of more than I thought. Uh, you know, could you do any less? And just right off the bat, they cut it in half, did an amazing wow. <laughs> job, were super nice. My mom was like, you make sure you leave them like good reviews on Google and stuff. <laughs> um, because they did such a good job. And it was the crazy thing is it wasn't confrontational. It wasn't like we even came with a lot of data. Not to say that these are not great data points to use, but I'm just saying like, at least ask like the, the like what are they going to do say get out of here we're not we're not going to treat you because you ask for a discount so um i second that with the negotiations and speaking of moms and negotiations this third one comes from my mom and <laughs> she was kind of calling in or just typing in with a tip she said sometimes if you call and negotiate a bill you may later get a bill for the balance from the hospital get stuff in writing and names of people you spoke with which is kind of echoing what Scott was just saying, like if someone screws you ultimately and says like, whatever, this was going to be free and it ends up not being free, or this is going to be this price and it ends up being double that price. Make sure you have this all documented. Make sure you get that email exchange. Make sure you write down the name and number or qualifications of the person who told you this thing. And so Scott also chimed in on this statement. He said, amen. Healthcare is no different than any other business transaction that you make. Unfortunately, we have been trained to, pa to be passive and accept whatever we're told to do. This is called passing the buck to our insurance. Insurance pays for it, which we talked about in the episode where we're basically a third-party system and we have very little control over what the, the price, the sticker price of the bill is going to be. And then Scott says, well, insurance doesn't cover what it once did. To these readers' points, uh, become a consumer of healthcare like you are with any other consumer good, especially a large ticket item. To the extent you can, negotiate upfront before procedures are done. Ask for prescribed treatments, Rx, and procedures have the best outcomes for the best cost. Ask for itemized bills, like we talked about, from providers and hospitals before the procedures. Get in writing any arrangements you make with them and state in the document that the payment is final. And then he says, check out his website. He'll, they'll be releasing a blog on hospital bill negotiations within the next couple weeks. So that might even be out pretty soon. If not, we'll just throw in a link to his website, which we're going to link up anyway. Yeah, I think that's yeah, it's kind of echoing the same from question number two, which is like everything's up for negotiation, get things in writing, get it documented. Paper trails are always important. <laughs> the next question that we had that we reached out to Scott for was someone asks, what is the general expected health care cost for an individual and also for a family of four without any parent having a W-2 job, assuming they're all fairly healthy? Scott says, you know, cost is the most important question on everyone's mind, and it is unique to each individual based on the situation and where they live. It's important to know the difference between healthcare costs and insurance costs. They're not the same, he says. Health insurance is how you pay for unpredictable or financially unmanageable healthcare costs. Healthcare, on the other hand, is your personal health, how you take care of yourself, and who you utilize to do so. Is it wellness? Is it doctors? Is it hospitals, etc.? So if you're asking about insurance, to give even a rough estimate, you need to know, you know age, gender, location, anticipated procedures in the coming year. He says that any guesstimation will just mislead you. Read these blogs, which we can link to from his website, theuncoveredhealthcare.com, and they'll help suggest how to pick the plans. He says that one of their pet peeves is the way that we have been conditioned to think that health insurance is health care and they are not. So what he's really trying to call out there is that, yes, we have these fees related to the insurance that we have that helps kind of 
keeps us from going bankrupt, having a organization come after our assets. But then there is also health care, which involves what we do on a day-to-day basis from the nutrition that we eat, um, you know, the kind of fitness activities we're involved in, and just the general care that we take care of ourselves with. We'll be right back after a quick word from one of our sponsors. Today's sponsor is one I use on a daily basis at my company, Gold City Ventures. That is the sound of a sale in your Shopify store. But did you know that Shopify now also powers in-person selling? Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store or small business. Accept payments, manage inventory, they have everything. Shopify brings together your in-person and online sales business into one source of truth, one dashboard, everything in one place. You know exactly what's going on. And now they have all these customization options. They have plug and play tools that you can integrate with Instagram or TikTok or wherever. You can take your payments by phone or by tablet. Shopify makes it easy. Plus, if you have any questions, their support team is there to help you. I know we have a lot of entrepreneurs in this audience and Shopify POS just breaks down that barrier to accepting payments with your business. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash show, all lowercase, that's shopify.com slash show to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash show. Now back to the show. And I know Scott, obviously he can't answer the listener's question directly. He says he needs a lot more data, but I thought it would be interesting to just basically lay out what our healthcare situations are. Because we have, both of us have vastly different kind of healthcare situations. And I actually, my mom is with a health sharing ministry, so I can weigh in on that as well. And we can kind of get the full spectrum here. Yeah. So what do you do for healthcare, Justin? Is it just pick the one that your employer gives you or what's what's the strategy there? So I'm in a very interesting mix of like maybe some things a lot of listeners could relate to and some things that they couldn't. So um, I do have a normal W-2 job, which gives me a couple health healthcare options. Um, it's some great healthcare options. As far as I can tell, I don't have, I don't know everyone's plans, but it sounds pretty good. Um, I go with the high deductible plan, which comes with that HSA so my company gives me, I think it's $750 a year to go into my HSA. And there's actually no premium. So there's no month to month charges, but there is that high deductible. And I forget exactly what it is. If it's, you know, $2,000, uh, it seems like it's in that range. And that's the part where I mentioned that maybe some people can kind of associate themselves with, they can kind of align themselves with that because maybe they have a normal W-2 job. But on the other side, I also have access to the VA healthcare system, like because of being in the Air Force and a veteran and having some disabilities that came out of that is associated with it. And so what that allows me to do is to actually have things that were connected to my service disabilities covered by that health insurance. And actually, when you're at a high enough rate of what they deem a disability, you get all of your medical care covered. Now, so right now I have those two options, right? I have one that is no premium, but it is a high deductible. And then I have one that is just completely free. And obviously I'm not going to turn down the one from my employer because they're putting money into my HSA. So even if I knew I would never use it, like that's $750 to, to take. What the feedback that I have gotten though from other members who got out, you know, of the military and are using the VA healthcare system. And I don't want this to be like a knock, you know, if you work at the VA, but is basically if there was something you were really particular about like something um, that you really wanted to feel like assured about and get something done quickly. It depending on which, on how the VA operates in your location, you may feel more comfortable to go ahead and go through your employer based one. But if it was something 
that's not extremely timely or something that's like fairly general that you don't think uh, you really want to specify the doctor that you want, um, then it's totally fine to go through the VA one. And it's an awesome thing to be able to fall back on if you have it available to you. And so that's what the current plan I'm going with now. And then when I do retire, you know, in a couple of years, I plan to solely utilize uh, the VA healthcare system. Does anyone who's in the military for any period of time have access to that system? So the way it works is it, it's not related to how long you were in the military. Now, there's a separate thing called TRICARE. TRICARE is the healthcare system that you are under while you're in the military, and it is what you can utilize if you put in you know, your 20-year retirement, if they offer you an early retirement, or if you're medically discharge or think there's some other situations where you could have track air. But if you just separate from the military, which means you just leave and you have not done 20 years or you've not retired early, then the only way you're going to have really access to that where you're getting free health care is if it is um, connected to some uh, service, what they call service connected disabilities. Now, this is something you know, if for some reason we have some military people out there listen to this episode, it's very important to document any kind of injuries or things you may have happen while you're in the military. Because when people hear service connected, they think, okay, well, that would cover if I tore my ACL, you know, jumping out of a helicopter, which seems reasonable. But what they don't think about is it also covers if you tore your ACL uh, playing Frisbee with your friends, nothing to do with work if it happened during the time that you were serving. Like, it doesn't have to be like on the clock because you're technically on the clock 24 seven. And so it doesn't have to be something they made you do. It could be do something you just did on your own time. It has nothing to do with your actual job in the military. It just has to be connected to the time you were serving in the military. So just don't taking that for granted. Um, and to get approval for things like that, for it to be considered service connected, you need to, again, like we mentioned earlier, you need to have that paper trail you need to get seen about it while you're in. You need to get it documented. Um, you need to go to the treatments they recommend um, because if it looks like, hey, uh, maybe the guy, maybe the person came in, got seen about it, we referred them to a doctor, and then they just never went. Well, that's going to look like, well, it must not have been that bad. So obviously, it wasn't a problem. So not only go in, get it documented, but then follow through with the actual um, treatments. Uh, make sure you stay up on everything. Uh, meet all your required deadlines for those kind of treatments and things and uh, just take it serious because it could be a huge game changer. Um, and then once you're at certain levels of ratings, uh, it can actually lead to a, a monthly check every month on top of the free health insurance. So it's just, it's not something obviously like to go out there and to make up things, but it's, you know, like if it's, it's there, if you deserve it and have earned it, then make sure that you take care of yourself and have the documentation to back it up. Sweet. I know we have a lot of military listeners, so hopefully this is helping someone out there who maybe didn't know that and didn't know the resources they have at their fingertips. But yeah, I know one of the biggest questions we get in the FI space and just in general, I see all the time in entrepreneur groups is like, what do I do when I don't have a W-2 job? And this was the exact situation I was in 2018, beginning of 20 or 2019. Wow. Getting my years mixed up here. January 2019 is when I quit that corporate banking jobs. I, I kind of had the same thing wasn't quite as generous with the HSA, but it was zero premium. I had awesome coverage. And then when I quit, I'm like, crap, what am I going to do? 
Now, this is obviously my specific situation. I'm pretty healthy. I don't have pre-existing conditions. I'm in my mid-20s, so I'm probably not the exact same demographic as everyone listening. But when I went and shopped on the Massachusetts Health Connector, which is basically the ACA for Massachusetts, it's going to vary state by state. I went and I picked a high deductible plan. So my deductible is $5,000. It's like what's labeled as catastrophic. I rarely, I don't don't know if I go to the doctor more than just getting a checkup (laughs) once a year. I really don't go to the doctor very often. Um, So I'm not spending a lot on healthcare. But so my premium every month is $263. I spend $12 a month on dental. And that pretty much covers me for two physicals every year and or maybe one physical year and two dental checkups a year. So that's my specific situation. It was It's really easy to go through the, again, it's Massachusetts and I'm a guy in my mid-20s, no pre-existing conditions, but it was really easy to sign up. Go to open enrollment November 1st, sign up, went for the cheapest premium plan because that's what made the most sense for me with the high deductible because I do have an emergency fund. And if I had to shell out the 5K to get the insurance to start covering stuff, I could. But yeah, so that's my situation. And I actually can speak to health sharing ministries, which might be a little bit helpful because I know my mom is with, I don't know if she's with Liberty HealthShare or MediShare. <laughs> I don't even know the name of it. Um, but she's one of those health sharing ministries. Now, I know she was looking at a, a, like a joint plan for herself and my brother, and that was going to be like $400 a month. And that was like, Again, you guys can listen to the episode with Jackie and Lynn and also with Scott. It's a little bit different than healthcare. There is a little bit more legwork that is required. Like sometimes they give you, I don't know if it's called billbacks or chargebacks, but sometimes they don't understand like, what is this health sharing ministry thing? And they don't know how to bill it. So they give you you the bill and then you have to do some of the legwork to actually get that health sharing ministry to cover the charge for you. Um, so it is a little bit more legwork, but I know people in the FI community are no stranger to doing a little bit of legwork to get a really awesome deal. So I think it was $400 if she was going to get both of them on the plan. It was $250 for her to get on the plan by herself, if I remember these numbers correctly. And yeah, obviously, it depends on your situation. It depends on, uh, there's a lot of things that are banned, like um, any type of contraceptives. I know like birth control, stuff like that. Any alcohol or drug related things are not covered. Do your homework. We did talk about this pretty extensively in the past two episodes, but that is another option. So I think we just kind of covered the trifecta or even made the quadfecta there, Justin, with the military, the W-2, the entrepreneur, and then the the health sharing ministries. Am I missing anything? Well, one more question that we got, which was an interesting one, because like Cody said, you know, me and Cody are on the younger side of, you know, a lot of folks who are thinking about healthcare. We are fairly healthy. We don't have um, a lot of chronic issues, but that's obviously not all the listeners out there situation. And so we had a question come in about what if you've retired, you're looking to do something like the ACA, like your local state's plan, but Hey, you've retired. So now you don't want to just stay in one spot. You don't want to be in that state. You want to be traveling around to different States. And you do have some kind of chronic issue where you may need care at any given moment. And apparently this was kind of news to me because again, I don't have one of these uh, like state marketplace plans, but that you can, some of these, pretty much all of the people that are in that network are from within that state's border. Now, there's a couple of different scenarios, whether you are the person who is saying, hey, I, I've retired, I want to travel, so now you're going to be in different states. Or actually, one interesting situation we heard was where someone lives on the border of a different state, but like the major city is in that other state, like the place where they would actually rather go is in the other state, that, and they don't technically live there, so they don't get to shop that state's healthcare plan. 
So one thing that we got from Lynn, who was on the episode uh, two weeks ago, our first of this kind of healthcare series, was she said that what some people will do is they'll go with a PPO versus an HMO. So a PPO is a preferred provider organization plan versus an HMO, which is a health maintenance organization plan. Now, a PPO is generally going to be more expensive, but it is going to give you out-of-network coverage that may be state or nationwide. But it's going to, again, it's probably going to cost you more from both the premium standpoint and kind of like your bill out-of-pocket standpoint. But it is said to be a little easier to use. It's going to give you a bigger network. So really what you're trading is cost for the net that is cast across like who you can go see. Another thing she mentioned is that you might do a layering approach where maybe you do have some type of healthcare ministry type plan that you have alongside of your ACA plan. So you're only using the healthcare ministry plan while like you keep it while you're traveling or maybe you have a really small plan there that you only use if you happen to need it while you're traveling. And then obviously there's a situations where you're talking about traveling internationally. There's a lot of types of travel insurance and even expat insurance if you're going to be pretty much completely outside the United States. And from what I've heard, those are very reasonable. But it seems like in the end, it kind of comes down to uh, if you're looking at just your typical health insurance plans that you're going to you you may have to trade cost for that convenience to be able to go to other states. And then outside of that, you may have to do a layering approach where you have both an ACA type uh, state marketplace plan as well as something else like a like a traveler's type insurance or a healthcare ministry insurance. Well, healthcare ministry, which is technically not insurance. Alrighty. Well, that is definitely useful information and information I did not know. I also have heard that travel insurance is pretty reasonable and travel insurance is definitely something that you'll want to consider if you know want to spend six months in Southeast Asia. If you want to do this digital nomad thing, definitely something you should consider just in case that freak accident happens where you need surgery and hopefully you're covered because you don't want to have that multi-thousand dollar bill in the mail and have nobody on your side to help you. Justin, I think that's pretty much all the questions we have for this episode. I definitely learned a lot. Please give us feedback. Let us know if this was helpful. We're trying to deliver the most value possible. So if this was not helpful, then we will not continue to do roundup episodes. But this is something that you guys have wanted. We've, we kind of took listener feedback and see what people wanted to hear more of. They want to hear more solo episodes with myself and Justin talking about kind of our own situations, weighing in on some topics a little bit more instead of just asking guests. So yeah, let us know if this was helpful. If it was helpful, hopefully you can hop in on the next discussion when we get into our next topic and we can answer your questions as well. Justin, is there anything else you'd like to add before we sign off? The last thing I want to say as far as the healthcare stuff is we hope all this information was extremely helpful. Obviously, everyone's going to have a very unique situation. So just take this stuff and get educated. Don't take any one thing and run with it. Educate yourself. And then lastly, the best thing you can do is to actually take care of yourself. Be uh, proactive about it. Get out there and be as healthy as you can. Eat as healthy as you can. And uh, just so that you can minimize the amount of issues that you do run into. Obviously, not everything's in everyone's control, but let's control what we can't control. And I know we mentioned a couple links scattered throughout this episode. So we want to make sure you have access to those links if you do want to go check it out and make the best decisions possible for your open enrollment and your healthcare situation. So all the links, everything we talked about today can be found at thefyshow.com slash healthcare 2020. That's thefyshow.com slash healthcare 2020. 
And as always, if you want to check out our Facebook group page, you can do so at thefyshow.com slash community. And we always appreciate those five-star reviews. They help us get great guests like we had today. And if you're interested in supporting The Fi Show, you can do so by checking out some of our partners over at the resources page, which can be found at thefyshow.com slash resources. And thanks for listening. Hey, real quick before you go, I just want to remind you that I have made my personal like budget and net worth tracking spreadsheet available, the very same one that I use to track my net worth from $38,000 to over $1.2 million, available for free on our website at thefyshow.com slash spreadsheet. So you can go download that today. That's thefyshow.com slash spreadsheet.